0: Yeah, uh, Acts chapter 12. Let's do James and the sword, Peter, and the angel. Now, this chapter does not answer the question. And that's what I love about sometimes the Lord answers the question, and sometimes he puts the situation in that then forces us to answer the question. So here's the situation. Let me read quickly. First 1. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands, To vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John. We just lost the first counselor in the first presence. He killed James, the first martyr, after Jesus. He killed James, the brother, with the sword. And because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Now these were the days of the unleavened bread, and when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison, and delivered him to four quaternions cor- of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with chains, and the keepers before the door door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. A light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him, saying, Arise up quickly. And the chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and second ward, he came into the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of its own accord. And they went out and passed on through the street, and forward the angel departed for him. James got the sword. And Peter got the agent. Why did James get the sword? And Peter got the agent. So here's what I want to do first. Tell me what you know is not the answer. Let's eliminate all the things that we know are not the answer. This is often a better way to get to truth. So tell me what you know is not the answer. Peter is more important to God than Jesus. Let's eliminate that. Do we all agree? Yep. Peter is not more important. Okay? Give me another what not is the answer. What's not the answer? What's not the answer?
1: James wasn't, couldn't do it, anything. Okay, James
0: did something wrong. If James had done something right, he would have gotten the We often come to that conclusion, that this is on James. Do you think the Lord would allow the first council and the first presidency to die accidentally? No. I don't buy that. Give me another one. Random? That we have a God that just, oh. He's just absent-minded. You're just absent-minded. And just luck of the draw. <laughs> Are you blessed out of randomness? Are your blessings from God random and that is not the answer but any others you want to throw out there okay okay
1: god was done oh like his, his missions up his calling made sure he's ready to come home
0: well we're going to kind of get to that but God was done with James. And I know this is going to borderline on what might be the answer, but I see exactly where you're going. Okay, having eliminated preferential treatment, punishment from God, randomness, or time limits, here's your assignment give me a scripture that answers the question. Why James got the sword and Peter got the age. Can you think of answers in the scripture? The thing I want to point out is there is no answer in Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15 does not answer the question. It presents the situation. So what Heavenly Father is doing is he's saying, can you connect my other scriptures to this chapter? and answer the dilemma. Give me a scripture. If you were asked by someone who you cared about, why did James, why do some people get blessings and other people don't? What would you teach them? Tell me you've got something. What do you got, Abby? I'm
1: wondering um,
0: is, what it
1: was. I guess kind of like Peter being safe, kind of a punishment because he like, still had to like prove
0: that he was. But James passed the test, and Peter wasn't done with the test. Okay. Mm, that's. I think we're a little bit on shaky ground with that one because what what's, what image do we have of God
1: that our works mean something you know that or, the, or that or that atone for something yes. it will matter it will finally tip the scale in our favor
0: and so I'm gonna, I'm gonna we're gonna hold off on that let's hold off on that because I don't think James passed some test now are you kidding me James passed the test and Peter didn't. I struggle with that so give me some scriptures that might answer the question um not for sure but alma 14 11. okay that's a great one where the women and children are burning
1: yep exactly why
0: does he let the women and children burn
1: because the men needed one more chance okay to prove
0: so let's turn, turn that. that let's see if we can turn that this is what i want to do i want to let the scriptures answer turn with me to alma chapter 14 the women and children are burning and Amulek says Hey, we should stop this. We can stop this. We have the power to stop this. And Alma says, "I am constrained not to stop it." And then he gives two reasons. And I want to spend some time on both reasons. Everyone there? Alma, chapter fourteen, verse eleven. Glasses on. Sorry, gonna be able to see. All right, Alma. 14, 11. All right. Let's let's do them, well, let's do them in order. We'll do them in order. The Spirit constraineth me that I must not stretch forth my hand. Four. There's two reasons. Because, number one, the Lord receiveth them up. Unto himself in glory. Whatever injustice you may perceive in mortality is fixed by the atonement. James went into Jesus' arms. Peter did not. In one sense, you could say, who got the better deal? You could make the argument that James got the better deal. that Peter still has to stay on this mortal world and work. Because tell me, James got the sword, but instantaneously he was in the father and the son's arms. Mm -hmm. He, He receiveth them unto himself in glory. Doctrine number one is that heaven works backwards and fixes the pain of getting there into the joy of getting there. That is one of the most beautiful doctrines I could possibly teach, is that heaven, once you obtain it, the joy of having obtained it works backwards and changes the memory of the pain To get there. Let me give you an example, okay? I'm going to use scriptures. I'm going to try and keep this one, so I'll just keep it. I'll see if I can open up different things. Let me give you an example. Jesus taught the example at the Last Supper. John chapter 16, verse 21. Now, I've watched my wife give birth 10 times. I am an eyewitness to this reality. A woman when she is in travail has sorrow because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembereth no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. It is one of the most magical moments to watch my wife go through the agony of childbirth And the moment that baby gets into her arms, tell me what happens. It's gone. It's gone. gone. The joy of holding that child erases the memory of the pain that got to it. James was instantly in the Savior's eyes. No short end of the stick. No loss of a blessing. He got the sword and then he got the arms of the Savior, and that is going to fix all the pain of getting there. C.S. Lewis taught this in um, his uh, The Great Divorce. Let me read you, let's read from The Great Divorce. You can. It's
1: fair enough, no way.
0: Kidding? Satan does not want you to read this quote. <laughs> Is it off? Mm-hmm. All right. Fine. I can go without it. There we go. I love this from C.S. Lewis. I just this... Such a beautiful doctor. Come on. Tell me what it's
1: up. While that's loading, can I add to that? Please. It. He's on the right path. I've got tons of stories about that one. Uh, Paul talking to Luke when the christians were being eaten by the lions and tigers and bears oh my by the romans that's how how he could explain that away and paul he's like he's like luke i know you can hear them dying but can you hear the angels singing that they're home
0: and that's the other side so when you think well wait a minute this person's in pain they're getting the short end of the stick Can you step one more step further and see the arms of the Savior circling around them? And then the joy of that moment is going to work backwards. And what's it going to do? Here's C.S. Lewis. You cannot in your present state understand eternity. But you can get some likeness of it if you say that both good and evil, when they are full grown, become retrospective all this earthly past will have been heaven to those who are saved and all their earth on earth too will then be seen by the damned as having been hell. that is what mortals misunderstand they say of some temporal suffering no future bliss can make up for it not knowing that heaven once obtained will work backwards and turn even that agony into a glory And of some sinful pleasure, some people will say, let me but have this and I'll take the consequences. Little dreaming how damnation will spread back and back into their past and contaminate the pleasure of the sin. Both processes begin even before death. The good man's past begins to change so that his forgiven sins and remembered sorrows take on the quality of hell. And the bad man's past already conforms to his badness and is filled only with dreariness. That is why in the end of all things, the blessed will say, we have never lived anywhere except in heaven. And the lost will say, we were always in hell. And both will speak truly. James didn't get the shaft. By getting the sword. Because God compensates for all of those things. That's a beautiful doctrine.
1: Uh, I don't want to push this envelope, but how does suicide fit in that? Because I, I, I get angry when I see somebody on the other side and I'm not there. It's so much better than here. And I
0: that's why I just simply say someone far more brilliant than I is gonna have to understand that situation someone who can step into their state and know exactly what they were thinking and what was going on
1: oh, and why i don't we all do it <laughs> i mean it's just it's so much better than here
0: yeah i think it's a time and a place to and so that's where we're going we got to get that this is, this okay. doesn't stand alone right because if this were the only doctrine we'd all kill ourselves to get into
1: the time and a place for us to to go through that you can't just take a helicopter to the top of the mountain. It won't mean anything. That's right. We have lessons to learn on this life. Okay, so that we're going to do that. Let's
0: get the second one of, of Alma chapter 14. We need to understand that God honors agency. And you cannot punish people for doing bad unless you let them do bad.
1: Right.
0: This idea that, well, God could punish people because they would have done bad. Guess what? It doesn't fly with justice. So he says back in Alma chapter 11, chapter 14, chapter 14, verse 11, he doth suffer that they may do this thing or that the people may do this thing unto them, according to the hardness of their hearts, that the judgment which he shall exercise upon them in his wrath may be just. In other words, God has to honor agency. Now, I know he could stop. I know he he could have had. But sometimes the answer is we pay a heavy price in this world for our agency. If I want freedom to do what I want to do, what do I have to grant to you? Freedom to do what you want to do. Even if your freedom brings me pain. We pay an incredible price for agency. Now, I love this quotation from Richard L. Evans, one of my absolute favorite general authorities ever. Oh, here. Anyone want to read this one? Richard L. Evans. Abby, please.
1: Some of the ponderable problems, the unanswered questions deceiving injustices and discrepancies and uncertainties, which we often have a difficult time in reconciling, will find answer and solution and satisfaction if we are patient and prayerful and willing to wait. Part of them are the price we pay for our free agency. We pay a great price for free agency in this world, but it is worth the price we pay. So long as men have their free agency. There will be temporary injustices and discrepancies and some seemingly inexplicable things which ultimately in our Father's own time and purpose will be reconciled and made right.
0: So maybe one of the reasons some people get the sword and some people get the angel is an agency issue which God will make right. The beautiful, the thing I love is the atonement fixes the fall. And every injustice that come about because of this fallen world will be made right in the atonement. So for example, a mom losing a baby is a horrible thing. So what does the atonement do? Resurrects that baby as a baby to be raised by that mom. Jesus will make right every injustice. So there's another reason. Number three, we've got to talk about God's timing. Faith in God means faith in his timing. That he times everything that I need precisely. And therefore, we have to trust that the the timing of the sword was right for James. And the timing of the angel was right for Peter. That God knows when to do what. Now, let me illustrate with the allegory of the tame and the wild olive tree. Jacob chapter 5. Turn to Jacob chapter 5, and let's talk about timing and circumstances. And what does God know that I need? So Jacob chapter 5 is the allegory of the tame and the wild olive tree. Now look at verse four. What's the problem with trees?
1: So wild not they want
0: strong. to go the direction they want to go. Yeah, True. End of verse three, sorry, not four. They begin to decay. Trees are usually after growth. And they don't necessarily want what is best for them. And so this tree begins to decay. So a loving master of the vineyard comes about, and in round number one, prunes, digs, and nourishes it. And so sometimes I get pruned, digged, and nourished, because I otherwise I would decay. Well, the problem is it wasn't enough. End of verse six, the main top thereof began to perish, and he does not want to lose the tree. So now he begins to do things that hurt. The first thing he does in verse 7, he plucks. I have been plucked and you have been plucked. The act of plucking is what? What's plucking? Take something in my life that I care about and yank it away. James was plucked. From the church. Sometimes God plucks. From my life. And it hurts. It has hurt me. When he has plucked me. Other times. Tell me what he does in verse 9. What is the act of grafting? It's, it's taking something I never thought I'd have to deal with. I never dreamed that would be part of my reality. And he sticks it into my life like cancer, or certain people. He grafts, he plucks, and he grafts. I never thought I'd have to deal with him, or I never thought I'd ever lose her. I've been plucked, and I've been grafted. And the last one, sometimes he places this is where I want it to grow. And he says, "Um, no. And where does he often place us? In the nithermost part. Now, this seems cruel on my part to pluck, graft, and place. So why is he doing it?
1: Just to add to this, um, I teach fifth grade and this hits home so much because so many times my fifth are like, you're so mean, you're not being the cool teacher. And it's like, it's cause you don't even know what's coming. That's right. You. Like they have no concept of like what's, you know, I what's can see I can down. see, I'm like, dude, your friend you're talking to the whole time, you're never gonna learn math. I've gotta put you clear over here and i see your future right and, and i know say, what's
0: going to be best for you and
1: then so let me push your friend out of your life so you can grasp some math into it yeah they're so <laughs> at the entire time awesome. you're like yeah and they're like you're just not cool I'm like no i'm not cool leave you alone I'm like Come on. but i love you
0: <laughs> now why is he doing it Tell me why he's plucking, grafting, and placing.
1: Because he needs something. I do it
0: that I may preserve unto me the natural branches of the tree. I'm going to save this tree. You go count in Jacob chapter 5 the number of times he says, it grieveth me to lose this tree. So let's see what works out. Ready? Let's let's play this out. Notice in uh, verse 15, a long time passed. So let's go see the tree that got plucked. And grafted. And what's happening to the tree that got plucked and grafted? Dang it. <laughs> what's happening to the tree that got plucked and grafted?
1: It's strong enough to produce It's growing.
0: Yep. It's growing fruit. Now listen to what the Lord of the Vineyard said. If I had not grafted in these branches and what's assumed in that plucked out, the tree would have perished. If I hadn't done what I did, as cruel as it looked to you, I would have lost the tree. Um, I
1: really like this idea because Anytime you grafting, about grafting, I'm, I've been on permission for about four months, so I just go the mission a lot, and it's really interesting because there's lots of times I got plucked, grafted, all those things, and it was miserable. Sometimes I was like, "Come on, why is this happening? Why can't I go to this place instead of this place? Why am I getting over here?" And it's interesting because this is a tree there would have perished if I'd gone to the other place, or if I had not, you know, gone through those different things, and my testimony would be where it is today. I didn't get put, anyway, That's, the, that's
0: test. the testimony. So now let's go out to the nethermost part. The poor tree that got placed in the nithermost part. Let's go all the way out there and guess what? Much fruit, and it was good. Now this time the servant is a little um, how <laughs> in the what? Why? The servant, his servant questions him how is it that you did this how could you be so cruel to have taken the plant and put it here of all places utah are you getting me
1: it's mom you know what
0: brigham young really said brigham young got to this valley and said this is the right place right on but they misunderstood him in a statement. for me utah is the nethermost place, this is not where I plan on raising my children. And the Lord says, no, Utah." And the servant says, how? Now look at the first five words of the answer. Counsel me not. I am.
1: I don't know that just doesn't sound like god he knows everything so why would he deny him answering why i mean it's not it's not like he was questioning him he just he just wanted to know like hey i'm a servant i'm I'm an apprentice i want to know how this land and this thing works why would he deny him the answer of that and i can't
0: answer that question all i know is sometimes i get the answer and sometimes i don't i think it was more of
1: um not like, why, like, I'm trying to learn, why did you do this? But more like, why did you put it in this nethermost part? If you had put it, like, front and center, maybe it would have recovered better.
0: And I think part of it is and the answer. Like, You're, the time for the answer is not today. Today is not the day for the answer. Now, we're going to go to that one next. Hold on to that one. But the time for the answer is not today. There are things you need to experience first before you can fully appreciate what I did. So counsel me not. I knew what I was doing. Had I not done it, I would have lost the train. So one of the reasons James got the sword and Peter didn't is God knows what James and Peter and the church need. And I have to simply say, I trust him. I trust that he knows what James needs. And he knows what Peter needs. And he knows what the church needs. Now, let's get to there. Because sometimes I need to experience the road first before I get the answer. Paul, now we're going to get to this in, I think it's next week. Yeah, next week. So, let me just give you a taste of this one. In Acts chapter 16, Paul wants to go to Bithynia. Paul wants to go to Bithynia. Paul essayed to go to Bithynia. Um... After they were come to Mysia, they essayed to go into Bithynia. I want to go to Bithynia. That's where I want to go. Well, Peter, Paul has a vision, and a man from Macedonia says, come over here. And he ends up in, verse 12, Philippi. So, Ma- Bithynia is where Paul wanted to go. Philippi is where the lord took him now years later if you know paul's journeys and you know the people who loved paul the most which group of people was dearest to paul and he to them wasn't it timothy of the Philippians. he weeps when he leaves them now paul There's no way God could have convinced him way back here how good the experience was going to be. But can you imagine Paul's tears right here? But there's no way the Lord could have explained it at that point. Trust me, I can't explain this yet. But years later, when Paul looked back on his life and said, that was one of the greatest things that ever happened coming to philippi was an absolute gift from god and i would have gone where i would have gone to sometimes the answer can't come along the way until you've been to philippi and experienced philippi and then you'll know exactly why i'm sending you there when i was hired by the church right out of college 24 years old, wife, little girl, innocent as can be. The Lord sent me to Arizona. Thatcher, Arizona. The church flew us down there. We rented a car. We're driving out. And all of a sudden, we could see Thatcher is next on the map. And we're looking around like, where, where are we? <laughs> and I will never forget, as we hit the road sign that says, welcome to Thatcher. I'm holding the gear shift and my wife puts her hand on mine and just starts to squeeze. And we were like, how long do we have to be here? Really, are you kidding me? And she just squeezed and this was so foreign to us. We wept, driving into that Eight years later, (laughs) we wept driving out. Oh, we wept, driving out. I would never have placed myself in Thatcher, Arizona. But it was an absolute gift from God to have lived eight years in Thatcher, Arizona. I love them, and they love me, and they love my family. And I will forever be bonded to them. Now, the only way, the only time I would have understood what God was doing years later on the way out. Sometimes the explanation is a timing thing. And sometimes there's things I need to have perspective in order to fully appreciate what he did. I tried to explain to my two-year-old why I was immunizing her. Do you think I could possibly explain why the needle (laughs) Why you need this needle? You're gonna be better. How in the world is anything gonna be better than you putting a needle in my arm, Dad? You'll be better. No, I don't see it. But she's now old enough to look back and say, "Dad, thank you, thank you for what I avoided because of that needle." So let me let me do one more. The answer book. Where is it? The answer, the book that has all the answers. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 5. John gets a peek into the celestial kingdom and he sees Heavenly Father, and in Heavenly Father's right hand is a book. Revelation chapter 5. New Testament, Revelation 5. all right verse one ready i saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side so what does that tell you if a book has writing on the back side then it's finished it's thorough the book has been filled the book is written. It's completed. The story's been written. So what is this book? Now turn, keep this one open and go to section 77 where the Lord, you know, Joseph Smith kind of had a Q&A about the book of Revelation. And he was able to say what is, what is, what is, and the Lord answered. So Doctrine and Covenants section 77. Let's go to verse six. What are we to understand by the book which John saw, which was sealed on the back with seven seals? Answer. We are to understand that it contains the revealed will, the mysteries and the works of God, the hidden things of his economy, concerning this earth during the 7,000 years of its continuance or temporal existence. In other words, what's in the book? Yeah. Everything that God did and Will do. why he did it. Is there in that book a chapter with your name on it? Is the story being written? It is not. It is complete. Now, I don't wanna get into agency and all of that. Just bear with me and get that out. But there is a chapter in that book with Abby Stainland. And in year 18, she falls 70 feet. And her life is never the same. But what's the other chapters contain? What do the other chapters contain? Why? It's all written in that book. The hidden things of his economy, the mysteries and the works of God, it's all written in that book. What's the problem with the book?
1: It's sealed. It's
0: sealed. Now, what does John do when the book was sealed?
1: Please they just need to open it.
0: He, but he, what does John do? Tell me what he does. Verse four.
1: He's crying. I
0: wept. I wept. No one can tell me why. No one can answer the question. No one can explain my life. No one can tell me why James got the sword and Peter got the angel. And we weep. And someone yells out, Don't cry because why? There is one. There is one who can and will open that book. But he gets to decide when. He gets to decide when. Now, sometimes do you live long enough to get the book opened and to see? Absolutely. Let me give you an example. One of the most painful things in Joseph Smith's life was the loss of his older brother Alvin. That hurt him. Who was his greatest supporter? Not Hiram. Who was his greatest supporter? Alvin, and God took Alvin. How much sense did that make to the young prophet who needed friends like I've never needed friends? How much sense did it make to take Alvin? No sense. That makes no sense at all. Joseph needed supporters. He needed family. He needed friends. And God took his greatest support. Now, fast forward to Kirtland. Joseph, come with me. Let me show you the Celestial Kingdom. Come on a little tour of the Celestial Kingdom. Let's open the gate. Look at the fiery gates and look at the, the pavement. Look at some of the people here. Look, there's your parents. They made it. And then he says, who's that over there? And Joseph looks and goes. And Heavenly Father says, okay, end of vision. I'm done. Walks away. And he leaves Joseph to learn one of the greatest truths that Joseph will ever learn. And all of a sudden, does Alvin's death make sense? Oh, my goodness. That's why. That's why he took it. It is to bless billions of people with the doctrine that came to Joseph Smith as he pondered why Alvin's in the kingdom. For that, Jesus opened the book a little bit. On other occasions, it's still sealed. And I trust his timing. To show me the answers. But I have a testimony. That when that book is handed out. And unsealed. Guess what we're going to hear. All over the planet. Oh. Oh. And then all of a sudden. God's purposes will be revealed. And what I couldn't understand. At the time. I will understand that. And I will fall to my knees and thank him that he was in charge and I was not. The answers will come. Sometimes we get them now. Sometimes we don't. I love this thought. Let me just leave you with this thought. We didn't get to number four, I'm sorry. I tried. Let me leave you with this thought from Marvin J. Ashton. A beautiful little blind girl was sitting on the lap of her father in a crowded compartment in a train. A friend seated nearby said to the father, let me give you a little rest. And he reached over and took the little girl on his lap. A few moments later, the father said to her, do you know who is holding you? No, she replied, but you do. Now listen to an apostle. Our trust and our relationship with our Heavenly Father should be one similar to that of the little blind girl and her earthly father. When sorrow, tragedy, and heartbreaks occur in our lives, wouldn't it be comforting if when the whisperings of God say, Do you know why this has happened to you? We could have the peace of mind to answer no, but you do. He will give me the answers when he knows is the best time to give me the answers. But it is not all going to come on my timetable, And so sometimes we just have to trust that God knew why James needed the sword. And why Peter needed the angel. Now I'm going to throw one more. For the sake of time, one of my favorite things that Paul ever taught. And it gets me quite emotional. If you listen to the podcast where I teach this, I will weep in the podcast. Which is a little embarrassing. <laughs> it means a lot to me. Paul says to the Philippians, I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to to depart and end all this, be rid of all this, and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you, Having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Christ Jesus for me by my coming to you again. Maybe some of the reasons you get the sword or you get the angel is because someone else needs the blessing. Maybe your pain is to help someone else. And it's worth me going through. I'm happy to go through the pain if it can be a blessing to you. Can I give you an example? My wife gave birth nine very normal deliveries. One slid out. She walked into the hospital, dilated to nine and a half sat down, and the baby just slid out. Tenth pregnancy. She has a C-section. What? After nine normal births, she has a C-section? That made no sense. But with us that day was my oldest daughter, who was terrified of operation. But was there to see what a c section was all about. Now, guess how her first two kids were going to come? C section. I believe with all my soul, my wife went through a c section for my daughter's sake, to help her know what it was going to be like. Sometimes I get the sword. For you. And you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. If my pain might bring happiness to someone else, it's worth it. There are lots of scriptures that bring light to the question why did James get the sword? Why did Peter get the angel? I bear testimony of the God who is calling the shots. And someday we will all acknowledge. He knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. One more verse. Maybe just, and we'll end with this. Book of Mormon. I love how the Book of Mormon teaches this. Abinadi says to the priests of Noah, of all people, the priests of Noah, He says, The time shall come when all shall see the salvation of the Lord, when every nation, kindred, tongue, and people shall see eye to eye and shall confess before God that he knew what he was doing, that him calling the shots was the right thing, and that his judgments. We're just. Of him I bear testimony. He is not unfair, however you may perceive it. And I say that in the name of Jesus Christ.